2: Hello everybody, welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul the Shrink, who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. So thrilled to be here again today with some good friends and guests in studio. I would like to welcome back Darren Johansson. Out of duty. Hey, glad to have you with me. I'm glad to be here. This makes uh, a number of times that you've been on this show.
3: It's
2: four or five. Wow. You could be like the co-host. I'd love to be. (laughs) And today you are. (laughs) Welcome, Darren. Darren is a uh, coach. He uh, specializes in counseling with people, and he refers to himself as a legacy coach, which is kind of a cool idea. And uh, just thrilled to have you with me again at Live On Purpose Radio. We also have in studio with us today, Justin Bolter. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. And Justin, you've been a, a longtime listener of Live On Purpose Radio. I have. And you sent out an email not too long ago to Aaron, who forwarded it to me. Yes. And you you had an idea for a topic on this show, and it it occurred to me, Justin, here I am, the shrink who expands your life. (laughs) You know, I've been a clinical psychologist now for how many years? I guess I've been in the industry now for about 15 years or so. And uh, during that period, I have worked with so many people with a variety of different issues. But uh, one of the things that I have worked extensively with is depression and anxiety and related kinds of conditions. And really, there's a, there's a close tie between depression and anxiety that we can talk about a little bit today if we want to. And I have this just treasury of experience and interactions with people that have taught me so much about these mental health conditions that are so common in our society, but not very often talked about. In fact, sometimes when when those topics come up, it feels a little bit like a taboo subject, and people are, are hesitant to go there, and they don't want to discuss that, and they're afraid that maybe they might catch it if they talk about it. I, I don't know. Well, I realized, you know, I've been holding out on you guys a little bit Uh, because of this experience. There are many of you who are listening who may be experiencing depression. And if you don't personally experience it, I could almost guarantee that there's somebody in your home who is experiencing depression or one of your close friends or associates. It's that common. And it's a condition that... I think, needs to have a little more attention. Today on our program, we're going to talk a little bit about depression and help you to understand what it is. Now, Justin, you have have very boldly stepped forth into the world of podcasting today and yes. uh, have expressed your willingness to share some of your own experience because you're coming from a place where, where you have personally experienced this at a fairly significant level in your life.
4: Yeah, I is have. Right? Uh, you know, and I almost have you beat. You've been... Practicing clinical psychology for 15 years, mm-hmm. I've been a clinical patient for I think 18 now. Oh so, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's something that I've dealt with in my life, and um, at times has wow. taken over my life and has been the main focus in my life. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, fortunately, there's ways out. Wow. Well, could you just introduce yourself a little bit more
2: and maybe share a little bit of your story? Would you mind doing that?
4: Um. Yeah. I. Uh, my name is Justin Bolter. Um, I grew up originally in Florida and, uh, ha- had a good home life, had great parents, but, um, there were some events in my, in my young life that, um, I think contributed to it, but I, I don't think is the main contributing factor. Um, but ever since I was about 12 or, or early teens, um, I've had depression and I, I back at that time, I didn't recognize it as that. In fact, I remember one time as a teenager going to see the doctor and, one of the questions, just the family doctor. One of the questions he asked me was, "Have you ever had suicidal thoughts?" And I said, "Yeah, all the time." And uh, mm-hmm. he was surprised at this, and he asked some follow-up questions. But to me, it was normal. You know, I, I didn't think of a big deal of it, and uh, mm-hmm. so I went through college and I spent four years in the military, and I have done all this stuff living with depression, but yet not uh, not willing to accept that that what it was. And it wasn't until a point in my life where I was trying to blame everything on my unhappiness, um, I thought, well, maybe it was my career. So within the last, I guess, almost three years, I've had five different jobs. Uh, well, maybe it is my occupation. Maybe I need to go to, to school for something else. Uh, I graduate this month. Um, maybe it's my marriage. I looked into that and realized you know, very quickly that was probably my, my best thing I had going for me. Uh, maybe it's my religion. Maybe it's you know, I'm in the wrong faith and God is trying to tell me this. And uh, Mm -hmm. after further research, so anyway, I I tried to blame every factor. And then finally, I realized that, you know, that's not what it is. And through a series of, uh, I guess, emotional breakdowns or whatever you want to call it, I spent um, multiple times in in the mental hospital and kind of hit rock bottom. And uh, from there, I I knew that there, you know, okay, this is something I have to deal with and something I have to uh, accept. And so I've been working uh, pretty hard on it. Uh, For the last Mm. little over a year, and I've been meeting with Darren uh, as a coach, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know he's been helping me tremendously. And now I'm in a place that, you know, so much better. And I realize that it's almost having uh, sunglasses, wearing sunglasses for the 18 years, and now I can see everything bright. and And I've been listening to your podcast, Mm -hmm. and and so much has touched me. And I said, "No, I, I wish I could share something that would help people." That you know, a year ago and the state that I was in when I didn't want to live any longer, but I was too cowardly to take my own life, which only makes you feel worse, Uh, you know, and and just wishing every day that I'd get hit by a car or, or, you know, that just something bad would happen to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And now in a place where it's like, you know what, I I understand where that is and I understand the last thing you want to hear is someone trying to help you, but, uh, you know, I just hope that today I can, someone will hear me that, you know, might be able to benefit from my story and, and say, you know what, I, I, you know, I recognize that,
3: you know, Justin, one of the things that I think is so important about your willingness to step up and say, Hey, this is where I was, is that there are a lot of people who feel like you did. And so many people who maybe are feeling the same thing, you know, I'm, I'm too much of a coward and, and I'm grateful that in that respect, you are a coward yeah. because <laughs> if that's what too. saved his life. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm so appreciative that you, you know, not only realized that, but wanted to do something about it. And that when you first came to me and said, Hey, I'd really love to do this. I thought what an awesome idea to, to share with people some of the things that you experienced, but even more importantly, some of the things that you did to get out of that.
4: Yeah, and I think so many people are uh, either ashamed or embarrassed of it. And me, they've kind of diagnosed me with chemical depression, and I kind of agree because there was times in my life where everything was going great. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I had a great job, great marriage, great kids. There was no reason why I needed to be sad, and yet I was. Um, And and so many people are embarrassed of this. I'm coming on to the show. I was was speaking to my mother actually, and uh, who I love dearly. She's a wonderful woman, but. I was telling her about this, and I said I'm going to talk about my depression. And she says, "Are you going to use your name?" And I was like, "Of course I'm going to use my name. Why wouldn't I?" And she's like, "Your first and last name, everything." I was like, "Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like a, you know, it's not like I'm a, a you know, I'm not embarrassed of it. I'm not ashamed mm-hmm. of it. So I tell talk to people all the time that deal with it and say, you know what? It's okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. okay, and it's something that you just got to accept. And because and, you're not going to move forward, you're not going to overcome it unless you re, you know unless you accept it."
2: Which brings to mind an important principle in my mind, and that is that it's important to understand what depression isn't. Yeah. And
4: exactly. you said you're not ashamed of it any more than you would be ashamed of, say, a broken leg. Exactly. Exactly. And that's some of the best advice I got. And um, depression is a, is a mental illness um, with symptoms, just like any other disease or, or illness that you would have, just as the common cold you have a runny nose, cough with depression, you have suicidal thoughts, thoughts of, uh, you know, uh, inclusion, wanting to be Mm -hmm. by yourself, things like that. Uh, these are just symptoms, uh, to a disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's something that you can work out. And and some of the best things that have helped me actually weren't, weren't so much from medical doctors, but were from, um, what, what I like to call visionaries, men who, who told me to teach, you know, reframe things, have a different perception and, you know Mm -hmm. and see things and and these are the things that really help me
2: you know a classic question that i get asked all the time and and throughout my career is this a chemical thing or is it all in my
4: mind well (laughs) i think it's both because you know we have chemicals running through your body i'm not a doctor but i mean you know correct me if i'm wrong but uh you know i i think it's both and and Mm -hmm. i knew that i was a chemical and and because like I said, everything in my life was going great. And I'm, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, why am I having these negative thoughts? Why? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, it's just something that you have to live with and you have to deal with it. And one thing that I was able to do is con- I was a great actor and uh, I was able to hide my depression from people. And only those who were really close to me uh, knew that I suffered from this. Everybody else had no idea. Um, Cause I was able to go to work, school, you know, so on and so mm-hmm. forth, get a degree, serve honorably four years in the military and do all this stuff while suffering through it, which Mm -hmm. was just made it worse because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wasn't willing to recognize it as that. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's horrible. I would not wish it upon everybody or Uh anybody. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was talking to Darren in one of our meetings and he said, if you could go back in time and change what you've had, would you be willing to do that? And uh, it was a hard, you know, I really thought about it, but That's no, I loaded. wouldn't. No, I wouldn't because it's really made me who I am at, at, because I have a clear perception now. But at the time, mm-hmm. I would have been willing to cut off my left arm just to not feel that way.
2: Which, just, yeah, make it go away.
4: Yeah, which is, which is funny because I got to a point in my life where I was actually more comfortable living with depression than being happy. Because I had spent so many years being sad and depressed, I knew how to live like that. I knew how to function being depressed, but mm-hmm. on times when I was happy, um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to act, and so mm-hmm. I really had to change my thought process and saying, "Okay, I can, you know, I, I I can live being happy. I I I need to learn how to be happy, which mm-hmm. is really you know, it's really <laughs> twisted, but you know that that's really odd. But that's where uh. I was. I, I wanted to be depressed. When people try to help me and i put forth a little effort and it wasn't easy it wasn't working mm-hmm. i'd say i just want to be depressed you know you, because i'm comfortable
2: well you get really good at whatever you practice and if yeah. you've practiced for years being being miserable and negative and upset and pessimistic you know you get really good at that you do and uh, i've i had a great interview with Amanda Dixon on an earlier episode of this show where she said well Why not just practice being happy Being cheerful You know It seems like faking it sometimes To some people Yes But really all you're doing is practicing And you're going to get really good at one or the other But probably not both We'll be right back
3: Wake up. It's time.
2: Huh?
4: What?
0: It's time. What do you mean? Someday is here. That's right. Someday is finally here. You've been saying for years that you want to do something really awesome with your family. Someday. We are thrilled to let you know that now is the time. The Marital Magic team has done it again. But this time with a fabulous week-long family focus cruise in the beautiful and festive Mexican Riviera. What better way to disconnect from that ever-present workload and reconnect with those who mean the most. This cruise brings you and your family the perfect blend of downtime, fun in the sun, and powerful seminars geared toward parents, teens, children, and the whole family. Join us aboard Royal Caribbean's impressive Mariner of the Seas as we visit Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta. Click on the cruise link at drpaul.org to learn more, or book your cabin now at 1-888-700-8838. Tell the kids, pack the bags and set sail with us on July 5th, 2009. That's 1-888-700-8838.
2: Everybody, Justin, it's been fascinating to hear some of your story. And I know there's a lot more to it than what you've shared with us already. But I'm also thinking we got an interesting second perspective here because one of the men who has helped you to come to some realizations that have really freed you is sitting right here at the table with us. Yes. And Darren, I would love to hear some of your perspectives. You've been listening in, I've seen you react a little bit to some of the things that Justin has said. Just from a counselor's perspective, a coach's perspective, a therapist's perspective, share with us some of your thoughts as you've listened to Justin introduce this topic.
3: You know, when I first met Justin...
4: Maybe you should start off with how we met. (laughs) The first time that you saw me, that would be a good...
3: Um, The first time I saw Justin, his father had called me um, because Justin had come out of uh, his little stay in, in one of those places that you go to get help and was really struggling. And his dad called and said, Darren, I, I need your help. I don't know what to do. And so the first time I met Justin, it was with his father and his sister. And, um, Justin was not in a good place. He, um, told me that he, he wasn't sure that his time in, in that institution had really been productive and he wasn't sure what he should mm. do. And, was seriously considering how much of a coward he was um, based mm-hmm. on what we would talked about earlier. And so we started working and I challenged him and, um, you know, it was uh, after a, a long first meeting, uh, sent him home with his dad and his sister and said, you know, watch for this and watch for this and, you know, let's get him in here as quick as we can. You and, mean trying to keep him safe. That's right. Safe from mm-hmm. himself, safe from his thoughts, safe from, you know, Anything that could be of danger to him.
2: Now, now Justin, you're nodding, yeah, uh, and you yeah. haven't interrupted
4: Darren and said, "No, you got it wrong." No, that that was that was absolutely correct. At that time, my thinking was, I just wanted to end. I just wanted the pain to end. And um, to me, medicine wasn't working, therapy wasn't working, nothing was working. So obviously, there mm-hmm. was one quick fix. And uh, fortunately, you know, I have a mm. very supportive family and uh, you know, great counselor.
2: And I wanna I wanna hear where you were going with this, Darren, but I had one comment about that because I think that suicidal behavior or suicidal thinking is very often misunderstood. And it's usually not that the person wants to kill themselves or wants to die. What they're looking for is the quick way out, is the easy solution to their problem. And sometimes that's the only thing that presents itself as an opportunity. To end the pain. Is that accurate?
4: Very accurate. In fact, uh, I often describe it as uh, being in a boxing ring with a championship fighter and mm-hmm. going in each round and knowing you're not going to win this fight. and But you go and get just beat down every round. But he doesn't beat you down enough to take you out. So you have to go back to your corner, regroup a little bit, and come out for the next beating. And that's how my life was for Ugh. for, you know, over 10 years is just knowing Mm -hmm. that I can't beat this. I'm just going to, I just got to survive it.
3: Mm. Well, Darren, continue. So I started challenging Justin's belief. Um, I started asking if if there was a way that he could win the fight, uh, if he would be willing to look at that. And I think that's the first time that Justin ever really thought, well, wait a minute, maybe there's something that I haven't thought about. Maybe there's something that could change this. And I remember I started talking to him one day and um, I overheard Justin talking to somebody once about um, me as his therapist. And the thought came to me, not that it hadn't before, but specifically with Justin, I thought, you know, that's exactly what he sees. This is therapy. This is something that He's tried before. It hasn't worked before. He's been, you know, back to his corner and back in the ring and back to his corner and back in the Mm -hmm. ring. And one day he said to me, you know, how long is this going to take? Not meaning just the session, but you know, how many years or months or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, how long do you want it to take? And then I talked about the difference between coaching and therapy. And I said, you know, a good coach sees strengths and weaknesses, holds you accountable really pushes you to be the best that you can be. And I said, it's a different mindset. It's thinking differently. And I believe that's where things started to change for Justin because all of a sudden there was a whole different world that all of a sudden was open to him that he had never seen before. It wasn't that it wasn't there. It's just that all of a sudden, you know, whether he took the glasses off, whether he got a, a magnifying glass, whatever it happened to be, all of a sudden there was a world that had never existed in his mind that now was there. And I saw a light come to Justin as he started to hope that there was a different world and started to look for ways that could be possible for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that some of the subtle differences, subtle yet powerful differences between therapy and coaching. And and I'm acknowledging that I've done a whole lot of both, okay? And I'm not talking against therapy either. I think it definitely has its place. But part of the mindset that probably occurred here, and correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, when that shift occurred, it put you back in the driver's seat. And it's not like you were going to someone who was going to fix you, it's like you have the power to change your life, and you're going to bring people onto your team who can assist you in doing that that's a a subtle yet powerful difference
4: yeah with with therapy it was uh you know let's talk about your problems let's let's focus on what we can do to help with your problems and you know and it was great, and there was times in my life where i mean especially in my you know my darkest times where that's exactly what I needed. But what Darren presented to me, and I I had been through tons of therapists. Uh, You know, I went through Mm -hmm. changed therapists like I changed clothes. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, just because no one worked for me, I I thought. And uh, but what what he taught was, okay, let's let's just get past this. Let's you know, we recognize that it was there, but it was more of what do you want to do with your life? What what are your goals? What are your dreams? What are your passions? And and those goals and dreams and passions, why can't you do them? And uh, I had always thought, well, I can't do them because, well, I've kind of already defined my life. I'm, you know, I'm just, a, a, you know, a mental patient with depression. That's what I am. And it, it wasn't until uh, Darren really introduced this to me, and you know, when a light came on. I mean, it really, it really did. Um, was saying, you know what? Maybe I have been focusing on, you know, the negative or or my problems. You know, what do I really want to do? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's been a life changer for me, and I'll always be you know, be in debt for Darren for, you know, shining Mm -hmm. that light on me.
2: Darren, from your perspective, what do you think made
3: the biggest difference for Justin? Justin. Justin made the biggest difference for Justin. And it was his willingness to look at principles that had always existed, but he had never seen that way in his life. And you know he he talked a little bit about what did what do I want to do, uh, what have I always dreamed of being and doing, and those things were motivating to him to the point where he thought well maybe I could do that. And the thing that I and I hope that we can hear from Justin about what he thinks were the biggest change agents, but one of the things that I believe and one of the reasons that I love coaching is that I believe that we were all put here to create something because of who we are, because of our experiences, be that depression, or for you, Paul, it was cancer. For everyone, there's some experience that doesn't put them in a box, but it really can define who they are because it's part of the package, as you've mentioned in several other of our radio shows and other things that we've done. Mm -hmm. But my package gives me certain abilities to create things that I don't believe anybody else can. Mm -hmm. And when Justin Mm -hmm. started thinking, wait a minute, well, why couldn't I do that? Um, You know, I remember once we talked about an experience that I had had with an illness where the doctor had started saying, well, you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. And I said, okay, don't tell me what I can't do. Tell me what I can do. And all of a sudden Again, it, it, the sunshine came up, and you know it's, it's like he was going back into the ring, but instead of going back against Rocky and the Russian, you know, Rocky finally had the power um, that was always in him to do mm-hmm. what he wanted to do, and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what made Rocky win. Well, it's the same thing that I think happened for Justin. And mm.
4: I'd would like to define uh, at least at the beginning what some of these dreams and goals of mine were because they they've obviously evolved throughout this time, but. You know, my dreams at the beginning were, okay, I can wake up today and be happy. I can have a positive day. Um, that's my dream, to have a good day.
2: That was your whole goal. For yeah, that day. was
4: my goal. And, uh, and, and you know, two years ago, that was just not really achievable. I can go today without uh, having suicidal thoughts. I can go today without going to the place or, you know, rehearsing it. You know, I, I can do those things. And uh, it, obviously... Um, at least for me, I'll speak for me. At that time, when I was just coming out of it and just getting help from Darren, I wasn't thinking, oh, what do I want to do for a career? Or, you know, oh, what are some of my uh, you know, extracurricular aspirations, things like that? No, it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty basic. Um, I'm going to spend time with my kids today and, and enjoy it. And, and mm-hmm. for someone who's in depression, that's a huge thing. Everybody else is thinking, well, that's just kind of lame. I do that every day. For them, that that's normal. But for people who suffer, at least the level that I did, that's a huge step. Is just to have mm. a good day without negative thoughts. And uh, you know, they're always going to be there. Um, you know, I, I would be a liar if I said I, I don't um, have negative thoughts or, or you know the, the symptoms of depression. And it's just something that I've accepted that I'm going to live with. But I have tools, I have tactics, I have things in my my box I can use against that. And, uh, that, that has made all the mm. difference, you know, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. with someone who is suffering from depression. And it's kind of, you know, when I was in, uh, the mental hospital, we, we were, uh, staffed with patients who were detoxing from substance and alcohol abuse. And this one guy, uh, I was talking to him, he was an alcoholic in there for a detox. And he said, you know, it would be so hard to be you because me, I have problems, but I can attribute those problems to alcohol. I know that if, mm. if I just fix the alcohol, I fix my problems. You I couldn't imagine what it would be like just feeling depressed and sad all the time and having no cause or reason for it. And and that's what people with depression feel. And I think that's sometimes mm. why they feel embarrassed because they think, oh, it's something wrong with me. You yeah. know?
2: Well that's but, that's the conclusion that that a lot of people come to erroneously. You know, but what else is your brain gonna come up with when you ask, well, why do I feel this way? It's gonna try to answer that question with as much or as little information as it has. And this is why education about what depression is and what it is not is such an important step, and you can come to a realization that, oh, well, this is, this is just part of my package. It doesn't mean that I'm an evil, terrible, no good, very bad person. It just means that I've got some depression. Okay, what am I going to do with that? We'll talk more about that practical step when we come back.
1: This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. When was the last time you visited a museum, a club, or a theme park and had to get your hand stamped? Have you ever looked down at the stamp and had dollar signs pop in your head? That is exactly what happened to Mike Brown, a 22-year-old from Costa Mesa. He launched a company called... Handvertising USA, where X truly marks the spot. His company allows corporations to get their logos onto the rubber stamps used by venues and clubs around the world. Clients spend the whole day or at least a few hours at the venue and will look at the stamp right on their own skin many times. They even have to spend 30 seconds looking at it just to wash it off. It is pretty hard for companies these days to get good advertising impressions, let alone get stamped right on their audiences. Handvertising has gone global, and Mike Brown discovered his first million-dollar idea. The next time you get a stamp on your hand, know that good ideas are just one thought away. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com. With the World of Ideas report I've got a great
0: idea Wouldn't you like to know You probably can't bear it so I guess I'll have to share it I thought of it a moment
2: Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio Some of you have been asking how you can get more involved with the show and I also appreciate those of you who have offered to support the show Now you can do both easily by purchasing a Top Spots listing. For a very small donation to the show, your link will be posted at LiveOnPurposeRadio.com. Just go to the website and look for the Top Spots widget on the right side panel. Click at the bottom and follow the simple instructions. You will then be at the top of the list. Thanks for your support. So I shared a story not too long ago in a seminar that I did called Facing Your Giants. And in this story, uh, my dad shared this with me. He was supervising at a girls' camp activity of some kind, and they had a service project that they were doing. And for the service project, they had to take a huge pile of sticks and, and load them into the back of this truck. And one of the girls was apparently pretty overwhelmed by this task. And she just looked at it and thought, oh, it's like that book, The Cat in the Hat. You know, this pile is so big and so deep and so tall. We can't clean it up. There's no way at all. And that's how she felt. This is too much. I can't do this. And my dad asked her, well, do you see that stick over there? Oh, you mean that one? Yeah. Can you pick that one up? Well, I think so. Okay, do it. So she picked up the stick. Now, can you put it in the back of that truck? Yeah? Okay, do it. <laughs> well, the other girl started doing the same things, and that pile was moved one stick at a time into the back of that truck. And the pile can look very overwhelming, but can you identify the next physical action to take? Can you do that? Okay, do it. And that's a lot easier. Darren, you had an example, too.
3: You know, one of my friends was working on the conference center when it was being built in Salt Lake and I went up to see him and there was this massive, massive hole in the ground. I don't don't know if you ever went to see that, but I could not believe how big that Mm -hmm. hole was. And now you go see this absolutely fantastic structure and, you know, I don't think most people look at that and think, oh, that was built out of a hole in the ground. And right. there's a lot of people who struggle with depression and they, they it's kind of like the stick story. They think, oh, this is so overwhelming. This pile is so big, I can't do it. But I believe that we have to have not only the foundation that is in that hole, but Justin had that. He had inside of him the ability to create this person that he is becoming because of who he was and where he was. I've had the Mm. privilege of building several buildings and every one of them starts out of a hole Mm. and you build up from there. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's so important to realize that wherever you are, whatever that place is, you have the ability to build something great by doing one thing, one stick at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. Justin said, I I just had a goal to be happy today, to play with my kids and, and do that. Hmm. I don't want to push the analogy too far, but
2: when you don't have a hole, you don't have the same kind of stability in the structure. And I think that this is one of the purposes for the experiences that we have in life. They actually strengthen us. Now, it can feel very painful and very difficult and very unpleasant while we're going through it. But one of my favorite sayings lately is, is that everything is okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. And you are in the middle of a process which is going to create something that's fantastic. Like that impressive building in Salt Lake City. Started with a big old hole. And there was a plan, you know, there's this is important too, to have that perspective. That this is only part of the process. The hole isn't the finished product. It's just a step toward that. And Justin, I don't know, it's interesting what Darren asked you, I can't remember if we talked about this live or if this was during a break, but about whether whether you'd change anything, you know, and would you go back and, and delete this experience from your life when there was a time when you certainly would think, yeah, yeah. just take it away.
4: Now, n- no, no. And, um, you know, it's interesting that you said stronger. I like that analogy because... um People who are suffering from depression uh feel very vulnerable, feel worthless um hopeless um and, and because of this state of mind, you're so easily affected by what others think or what others say or how your life is, how events in your life um, can trigger something so small and minute can trigger uh, you know a mental catastrophe in you and uh mm. now that I've been able to overcome this withstand all this and and what I like to say work through it um you know i'm I'm strong. Uh, very little has power to affect me now, and you know what a great what a great thing to say. I'm so glad I can say that. To where, if someone mm-hmm. has you know states their opinion about me, or, or if something goes wrong, or something of a huge catastrophe happens that actually is a huge catastrophe, I don't look at it like that anymore because you know what? I'm happy, and that's all that matters. And and so it to me it has strengthened my character so much because I've gone from mm-hmm. uh, being a twig to you know being a, an oak tree.
2: Well, you say huge catastrophe, and my mind says compared to what? Yeah. And now that you've been through this, there are there are fewer things that seem huge to you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, your priorities are different. <clears throat> your priorities are different, but also your experience and your skills and your talents and your and your understanding of your own ability to cope. And I think one of the things that's so overwhelming when you get trapped in depression is that you perceive yourself as being unable to cope with whatever it is that's going on in your life. Yes. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's an unseen enemy. You don't even know why you feel the way that you do, because some of the thought patterns that are going on in your mind are operating in the background, kind of in the template. Uh, So you're not consciously aware of those. It happens often at a subconscious level. So uh, gaining those skills, you know, that's part of the value of your experience is that now you've
4: convinced yourself that you can do hard things. Certainly. And, uh, you know, and that's a process in and of itself. And and anybody out there dealing with this, um, the best advice that I ever got was from a psychiatrist in in the hospital. And he said uh, when I was leaving after my second stand, he said, you need to treat this thing like what you said earlier, like a broken leg. You need to understand that it takes time to heal. Uh, you're not going to be mm-hmm. able to do everything that you usually do on it. And don't get down on yourself because, you know, if you have a broken leg and you can't walk to the mailbox, you know, no one expects you to. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and the same with the, with depression. If, if you're suffering from depression, just trying to overcome it, and you can't do some of the things that you should s- supposedly be able to do, um, you know, don't get down on yourself. So I think, you know, when you say take the next step, that's your next step is, I think the first step you have to take is say, okay, this is something I have and that's mm-hmm. okay. And then, uh, you know, and, and then the best thing that worked for me, uh, during my, my deepest and darkest moments, um, and I, I I'll put a disclaimer on this cause this is what worked for me. And it may Mm -hmm. or may not work for you because some people say, well, that's not a very good idea. But one of the things that I did throughout my life is I tried to battle with my depression. I fought it. Um, It it would be like swimming in the ocean uh, in an undertow. And I tried to tread Mm -hmm. water. And one of the things that worked for me is I just let it take me. I let it, um, I just shut down. I relaxed. Um, I just chilled out. I I, I shut down my mind, um, the things that I had to do, and I just let the undertow take me. And growing up on the east coast of Florida, uh, we grew up right on the beach. And if you're in an undertow, anybody that knows that or, or under a wave, you know that you try to go as deep as you can, and and then once when you reach that deep point, you try to swim as far away from it under under the water as you can, and then you come up on a safe location, and, and then mm-hmm. you you swim a, a, around it. But if you try mm. to fight it, you're inevitably going to drown. But if you just let it take you a little bit and you just go with it. Th- then you come out on, on the other side and, and, and that helped me. Um, but there was a point where you don't want it to take you too much because you know, yeah. but, but to me that, that helped more than anything saying, okay, I recognize that I'm feeling the symptoms of depression. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to close my doors for today. I'm done. I'm done today. You know, whether it was 10 AM and I've only been mm. up for two, three hours or whether it was 9 PM at that time in my life, it was like, okay, I'm done. And that's okay. I had a great day. I did, you know, I followed my best and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's good. And eventually it leads to this where I wake up every day and do exactly what I want to do.
2: Sometimes you can really, you can bruise yourself against resistance or by, by creating resistance. And I, I saw a PBS special once on, on the martial art of Tai Chi. And I don't personally practice this. I'm intrigued by it and don't know much about it. But one of the things I picked up on this special was that, uh, Part of the concept is to yield to the force and not to resist against the force. So if somebody's throwing a punch at you, for example, you'll turn or yield or absorb that force instead of just, you know, trying to fight against it or resist it, which can cause more injury. And that's what came to mind as you were sharing this, Justin. I think too often we we set up these battles that we don't have to fight. And letting go sometimes allows you to absorb some of the energy in a way that allows you to turn it now to your advantage.
4: Yeah, and I think a, a horrible tragedy that people with depression do is they look at other people and say, wow, they're doing this and they're doing that. I should be able to do this and I should be able to do that. And uh, when, when, you're, when you're suffering from depression, mm-hmm. those types of um, ideas are just unrealistic. You're not mm-hmm. going to be able to accomplish those things in that state. And, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, know, it's good to write that down and, and to make goals towards that, but don't expect to, to be able to do what you see other people doing and that's okay. And, you know, like a broken leg, it just takes time to heal. Soon you'll be out there running again. But, mm-hmm. you know, at first, you know, just lay on that recliner if that's all you can do. And, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, I know we're running short on time, but a uh, thing that I'd like to emphasize maybe when we come back is the best thing that helped me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was perception. Of life and Mm. I the one thing that I think the why I had to deal with it so long is I didn't have that and even when I try to think about that I didn't have someone to help me and having a coach like Darren who um, can say okay this is what you you know these are the things that will help you this this is how you reframe Uh, we use that word a lot this is how you reframe and and you perceive uh, things differently and I actually had tools and tactics. And, and so the best advice I, I would be able to give is to just to have a new perception on life and mm-hmm. things like that. And you're not going to be able to do that on your own. You need help from someone like Dr. Paul, or Darren, who, who will be able to provide those tools for you. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'll have to, you know, be in coaching for the rest of my life, but you know, if so, that that's fine because there's always a next level. There's always the next mm-hmm. level. I mean, I, I've only been, been, working on this, really improving for about a year. And I know I'm not anywhere near my potential.
2: Mm, but a huge, huge progress and success in that amount of time so far.
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's I mean, amazing. Just, just uh, you know, like I said, the, the little things uh, in life make a difference.
2: Well, yeah. you know, the perspective, and we will talk some more about that because that's such a key. You can't just change your own perspective. You have to be shown another perspective and try it on we'll be right back
0: raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By
3: applying the things I've learned to the Parental Power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always
0: thought I would be. I really like to use Parental Power as kind of like a reference book. So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast is closely related. So I like the variety of, of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed.
3: I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day.
2: Let us join your parenting team through parental power. Just send an email to Dr. Paul at LiveOnPurposeRadio.com to register for the live calls or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site where you can also add your own input Let's team up to start Parenting on Purpose If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program from what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your
1: reading speed guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read. And uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinn, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you
2: to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. For our last segment with Darren Johansson and Justin Bolter, Justin, it's been fascinating to to hear you talk about your story. And one of the things that's really kind of burning into my mind right now as I as I just think about all of you who are out there listening to this podcast, some of you may be having your own battle, your own personal battle with depression, and hopefully you've had some insights or some ideas. Or, a connection somewhere that has helped you as you've listened to this today, but Justin, during the break, you said something about how when you're really stuck, when you're just trapped in this depression, you're probably not out there searching for things like this podcast
4: exactly, at least that was for me um you know, I had been told for years by multiple people what would help and mm. what I need to do, and none of it worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the last thing I wanted to do was to sit down with someone else like Darren and, you know, get mm-hmm. his two cents on the subject and, you know, and then have it not do anything for me. Um,
2: and usually, this is my experience, too, because usually it's not the person who is trapped in the depression who seeks out my help. It's usually a family member, a spouse a parent, a close friend or relative who is concerned about that person uh, because one of the aspects of depression that is so aggravating is that it puts your mind in a place where you are the least likely to do the things that will help the most. You just resist that. Yeah. And so I guess we've got a little call to action here for those of you who are connected to or who... Have within your loved ones someone who is trapped by this condition. What's the call to action? Well, the call to action is be that person for them who can help to show them a new perspective. And that might mean, you know, getting them in a car and turning on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take us with you. <laughs> you know, they may not appreciate it right at first, but is there something there that can help to turn the lights on for them? Or to select a helper. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of helpers out there. We've talked about therapy and coaching and counseling. And those are all different words for a similar topic, which is the helping professions. You can't just pull yourself out of this, I don't think. That's like lifting yourself up by the pants. Oh, know? no, no way. Uh, you, you got to have somebody to help out with that. I'm going to turn it uh, over to you for a minute, Aaron. to... To talk about that piece, what would you encourage people to do as they are looking for or selecting a helping helping professional?
3: I think there's a couple of things that are really, really important. I had a relationship with Justin's dad uh, and and he believed that I could help, and I think it's important that the, that that individual has that trust. Mm-hmm. The other thing yeah. I would say is that there's so many times when people feel like, well you know once I go see this person, if it doesn't work then you know I'm stuck I don't believe that I tell people and I know you tell people Paul that you know they have the right to fire at will meaning fire yes. us not shoot us but to <laughs> but fire, fire us, us at will yeah and mm-hmm. that's the most important thing I think in any coaching or counseling or therapy relationship is the trust and the belief that the individual in this case it Justin believed that I could help him but I had to earn that trust I had to earn that Mm -hmm. belief by creating in his mind the possibility that another world existed. And I did that by helping Justin understand and acknowledge, I think he understood it, but he had to acknowledge that as much as he wanted the pain to end, he didn't want to be remembered as somebody who ended it. Mm -hmm. And by talking about who Justin was about the legacy that he wanted to leave Um, you know, I've, I've recently found this neat quote that talks about the desire to create. And it says that the desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. No matter our talents, education, backgrounds, or abilities, we each have an inherent wish to create something that did not exist before. Well, as Justin started to think about, you know, what, what didn't exist, one of the things that didn't exist in his mind was a happy day or a good time with his kids. Well, It's progressed from there, and I think it's important to acknowledge that the people who are depressed, maybe that's as far as they can go. Maybe it's three hours in the morning and I'm done. But that's progressed way beyond that now to a completely different world that is wide open to Justin and to anybody else who's struggling with that. I would say in our call to help that if you're that person that sees your son or daughter or your spouse or a good friend, one of the things that you can do is you can say, you know, when I was struggling, this helped me. Take them out for a walk. Get them to do something. Pick up one stick and put it in the truck. Mm-hmm. By being successful in those little things, they really can start to believe, hey, something could happen that would help me be in a better place.
2: I think rekindling that hope or or lighting it in the first place is probably the greatest service you can do to someone who is stuck someone who is trapped, because they've lost the hope. In fact, hopelessness is what gives rise to some of those suicidal thoughts that that people have when they have that depression. There is hope. And that might sound different coming from me, Dr. Paul, as opposed to from Justin. And Justin, your strong message here today is, Hey, I've been there. I know what it looks like, and there is
4: hope. Yeah, there is, and, and anybody out there listening um, that you know is, is in the dark places, and you know what I mean. Uh, you know that there, there is light at the end of the tunnel, even though you can't see it. And uh, one of the thoughts that I had while while Darren was speaking about choosing a, a coach uh, or a therapist or whatever you want to call them, um, you know, when I was in the hospital and also uh, previously in my life when I'd see psychiatrists, but but particularly when I was in the hospital, their main goal was to make sure that I wasn't suicidal. And then once mm-hmm. when I was stable enough, then they released me. Their goal wasn't to help me create or help me achieve my dreams. Their goal was to make sure that I wasn't suicidal. Mm-hmm. So my thought was, well, this is all I have to live for is not to be suicidal. Not the fact that I could have a, you know an amazing life, but just to not kill myself so other people will be happy. That, that's mm-hmm. what their goal. and that's, At that time, that was a good goal. Um, but it wasn't until I met with someone, um, or met with Darren that made me realize that there's more to life than just surviving it. Mm -hmm. There's creating, there's leaving a legacy. You know, what do you want to be remembered for? You don't want to be remembered for, you know, um, taking your life and having your kids have to, to, to live with that for the rest of your life. You want to be remembered for something more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like we said earlier, that's what kind of triggered me. What legacy do I want to live? Not That's, only leave, but live.
2: That is clear over at the other end of the spectrum from where you were.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it's impossible to think that way when you're depressed. It's mm-hmm. impossible.
2: And and really, the first objective when you're trapped in depression is to get yourself out of the depression so that you can start thinking about the other end of the spectrum. If you If you think about it in terms of physical health, for example, you might be sick in bed, with a fever, throwing up, the whole thing. And there comes a time when you do the right things and take care of yourself that you can get out of bed again and you're no longer sick. But that doesn't have anything to do with how fit you are or whether you're thriving or prospering. It just means you're not sick. And so you move through this spectrum, and yeah, the first objective is let's let's get to the point where you're not sick, but why stop there? Exactly. And the medical model, as you've described it, I used to work in the hospital, and I know that that was one of our main objectives. We have to stabilize these people so that we can get them back out of the hospital. But that's where our intervention stopped. And we would try to, you know, send them on to some kind of aftercare so that they could follow up with someone. But the medical model is designed to help people be not sick. It's not designed to help them thrive and prosper. Now, some of the wellness models and some of uh, the positive uh, health and psychology models that are becoming more popular, I think we're going that direction a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you take it in order, too. You know, See if you can pick up that stick. See if you can put that stick in the back of the truck, and then we'll continue to, to progress that way.
4: Yeah, my the greatest advice, you know, I, I could ever give someone, and I've been there, um, you know, I've, I've walked in your shoes, is to just have a healthy view on life, um, live life. And the only way you're going to be able to learn to do that is with someone else's help because you're not mm-hmm. in a state and, and you just change your thoughts. And I know that because I would have said the exact same thing, I know a lot of people out there who are suffering from depression are saying, well, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard, but it works. <laughs> people trust me. Trust me, and, and just get yourself hooked up with someone who can help you, like a Dr. Mm-hmm. Paul or like a Darren. And, uh, you know, because that's the only way. That is the cure for depression because it's a mental mm-hmm. illness. So you have to change your mental thinking. That is the cure.
2: Mm-hmm. That was well said.
3: Darren, some of your final thoughts. John Maxwell says that when we die, we'll be summarized, our life will be summarized by our friends in one or two sentences. And one of the things that I helped Justin to realize is that he could choose what those sentences are, that he could live his life that way. And we all can, we all can choose to create, to love, to live and to leave our legacy. And it starts by just wanting to create that one day of happiness, putting that one stick in, doing the thing that we can. And then we move on. And, and really start to dream. What would my life be like if I could live with my depression but not be controlled by my depression? If I could be better because of, if I really could create something that didn't exist before? And
2: creation is such a powerful process. I want to acknowledge, Justin, that in your willingness to come on this show today and to have this discussion with me and Aaron, you have just created something. Thoughts become things, and our discussion here today is becoming a thing in the form of an MP3 file that will be sent out by way of subscription to all of our subscribers and to anyone else that you listeners uh, choose to share it with. That's the process of creation, and in doing that, you're taking another step toward creating this legacy. And like you were saying, Darren, you know, you can... You can choose to to live with this instead of insisting that it be different and do something with it. So here's something that you have created, Justin, because this depression has been part of your package. Thank you, Justin.
4: Well thank you. This is uh this has been great and uh and you know, when I proposed this idea to Darren and Dr. Paul, my only hope was that it would reach at least one person that uh it, it might have It might help because I Mm. wish I would have had this.
2: And that one person is exactly the person that came to your mind when Justin said that. Please share this podcast with them. Please be that light in their life. Let's create some hope. Let's go out there and live on purpose. Thanks, everybody.